Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we sing those words, uh, only you can change us. We just sang, you change what we see and what we seek. I pray that for, for my life, I pray that for uh, this congregation, I pray for, pray for the people in here, that we would see differently. Not only would we see a big God, but we would see people differently. And instead of seeing an enemy, uh, we would see someone who uh, is made in your image and could be your child if they, if they receive Christ. It changed what we seek. And instead of seeking to always be right uh, or seeking to have our own way, uh, we would um, receive your spirit. We would be patient. Uh, we would try to see how you're working in situations. We, we need that, and therefore we need to receive your spirit in, in all, of our, all of our ways and our thoughts. And so even as your children, we come to you and, and pray that you would change what we see and what we see. And that can happen. That can happen today. That can happen tomorrow by your spirit. That can happen ongoing in our life. But we need, we need you and we need to stay connected to you. Help us to do so. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Uh, so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be reading today verses 13 through 25. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we are in this series through the fall. I really lead up to Advent. Calling it In Not Of. In Not Of. There's a... A phrase, in the world, yet not of it, uh, that often speaks to try to define us as Christians, that we're in the world, but we're not to be of it. Now, what's interesting to me, I was thinking about it, is it's always really, or from my vantage point and others I've talked to, it's always really seen as a negative, like like you're in the world, but I'm not of it, or you're, you're in a group but you don't feel of it. You don't feel really connected. You're in there, but you're not of it. It's always really seen negatively. Uh, maybe you're like, you feel in a church, but you're really not of it. I mean, I hope not, but that, that can be the case. You're on a sports team, but you're really not of it. You, so it's always seen as like more negatively. But what if we turn that upside down and see it in a positive fashion? So like as a Christian, we're in the world... But we're not of it because we're of something greater. We're of something better. Uh, we're in uh, this world, but we're of a greater kingdom. Uh, we're in this world, but we're of a greater government, God's government. And if you see it that way, I, I really think it frees you up uh, to live as Christ would have us live, as we're going to see in this passage to view it in a positive manner rather than like, man, it's just such a struggle. To, you know, like, in the world, but not, I can't do all these things. It's so restrictive and like, you know, oh, goodness gracious. But if it's like I'm in something higher because Jesus' kingdom is, not just higher in heaven, but a higher call. So that elevates your suffering to something greater. Uh, it elevates broken relationships to something greater. 
Uh, It elevates perseverance to something greater. It elevates struggle to something greater. But it all depends on how we see it. What we see and what we seek. So let's, let's read this passage. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13. And we're going through all of 1 Peter. It's about a 10-week series. So today, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. All right, today I want to talk about freedom. This, this idea, this phrase, freedom, wanting to be free. Uh, I think we hear it and really try to live it out uh, across the, the spectrum of our, of our lives and our society. Uh, first, uh, politically, and we'll get into this in the passage, but politically, everybody's talking about freedom. Whether you're on the conservative end, that's the big push you know, for people to uh, be free and do what they want, you know, freedom from the shackles of government. And if you're on the more liberal end, although I think those terms are kind of getting blurred uh, in today's politics, but if you're on the liberal end, it's still freedom, freedom of choice, ring a bell. So politics is really pushing freedom in different ways, but really still all about individual freedom. Culturally, culturally, I've said this before, we'll say it again. The, the big value of my parents and even grandparents' generation, and I believe I, so all of our parents, grandparents, was to be a good moral person or citizen. So from grandparents to parents, I mean, I was raised, be good, be a good citizen. Uh, now, from I believe uh, my generation, and I'm definitely not uh, a millennial, but also for the millennial generation too, it's not just to be good, it's to be free. It's like, don't tell me what to do. I can make up my own mind, make up my own choices. That's the big value today. It's, we're redefining good. It's to be free. And then personally, freedom's a big deal. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a guy, I won't name his name, but he's young. Say so he's in college, and you know, I heard him say, 
just this week. He's like, man, you know, that John Yu, he's always up in my business, you know? <laughs> well, maybe somebody needs to be up in your business, bro, you know? And, you know, he's free to do what he wants and live the way he wants. I mean, why do you, why you tell me what to do in all this? And probably some of us, I've said that before. Like, you know, leave me alone. I can do what I want. I mean, freedom is a big, big deal. Freedom to make money and spend money. Uh, freedom to go and do what you want to do. Free to go to church where you want to go to church. Personal freedom is like, man, don't, don't touch that, bro. Don't go in there. I mean, I'm free. Why are we free? The opposite of freedom is authority. And I would say none of us really like authority. We're like, no, I, I, I kind of like authority. I would say our heart, going back to Genesis 3, we didn't like authority then. We really don't like authority now. However, as Christians, and I believe in this passage, we can see and have, okay, listen here, freedom from authority, freedom in authority, and then last, freedom by authority. It's real simple. All this is in this passage. Freedom from authority, it's kind of what we want sometimes, but also freedom in authority, and then we have freedom by authority. Authority, And all of this is, is tied to living again in the world, but not of it. And turn it upside down where we see it as a positive thing as Christians and what we're called to do. And that authority is a big part of it, but authority actually gives us freedom in Christ. Okay, let's look at it from, from the passage. So first, freedom from authority. The first couple of verses, again, it's talking about government. It's talking about human institutions. It says... Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors. This is the will of God, verse 15, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are, what does it say there? Live as people who are free. free. Thank you, Neil. Everybody else, live as people who are free. 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 Neil, that didn't mean you again. Anyway, so <laughs> he just can't help himself. Anyway, we love not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, I say this, freedom from authority. So there was a lot of authority when Peter wrote this letter to the churches. And the authority was very, very bad. I mean, if we think our human institutions or politics is nuts today, uh, it, was, it was fundamentally worse back then because... This, at this time, it was the Emperor Nero, okay, brief little history lesson, and the Emperor Nero was killing Christians in very, very bad ways. I won't get into the, uh, the graphics of it, but he was, he was killing them. And here Peter says, honor everyone, honor people, but also honor the emperor. You know, he's not saying, you know, rebel. He's not saying hide out, even though they had to hide out. He was saying honor. Why? He says, so that you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, that by doing good. Really, he's saying be the best citizens of the then Roman Empire, where Peter was writing to churches, and honor this human institution, 
The reason Peter said that is because he knew God was at work over and above everything, and God's plan would, would take care of things, which it did and it has and it will. Now, I would say this as a little caveat. There are certain times through history where, where Christian believers have stood up against government. And I would actually agree with these actions. Uh, when the government goes against what they call God's natural law, moral law, meaning it is harming many people, and two examples would be Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany, and he went against that. And a second example would be Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King. And so there are times when Christians have gone against the government, and again, as I said, rightly so, in civil disobedience. But here Peter is saying, be subject, do good, honor, pray for. Those are my words, but I take it to mean pray for. So we think about today's politics. Now, this is not a sermon on that, but uh, it is, uh, well, I don't even know if interesting is a good word. Disappointing, uh, uh, that's my personal opinion. Unfortunate, that's my personal opinion. So what do we do as Christians? And again, I said freedom from authority. Freedom from authority. Well, if we believe this, saying live as people who are free, going again to verse 16, but not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants. If we know that we are in the world, but we're of something much greater, then we see every human being as a person who could be saved, could be redeemed at any moment. Uh, we can pray for our leaders. And look, our, our city needs prayer above and be, maybe above and beyond our country. You say, I might debate that. We can, but our city needs some prayer. Our city leaders and our state and national leaders. And Christians can be those who do good to put the silence of evil people. And we're free. Because, yeah, we're, we're in this world, but we're not. We're, of, we're, we're different. We, we are to be like strangers. We are to be like aliens. We are to be like exiles. But we have this freedom that goes above and beyond this world. So we can pray for, regardless of who you vote for, And we can be the best citizens for our neighbors and for our neighborhoods and for our cities. And I will say this, I'm I'm going off here. You know, I think there is so little collaboration here in the city, frankly, between churches, unfortunately, uh, and schools. And, you know, if you want to be for the city or do good, you know, it's like, man, we're all in this together. I've I've started saying this for myself and in my my own prayer life. Don't take this the wrong way. I don't feel called to Bellwether Church anymore. I feel called to Jackson. And so the ministry is in Jackson. And yes, this, this church is a part of it, but like to bring some healing that's needed and to bring Christ which is needed, you know, we need to be more kingdom oriented. And so I'm preaching to myself here, you're kind of just sitting in on this. But I mean, all of us together as school, there's, you know, whether you say, well, the pie's small, I got to get my piece of the pie. No, I mean, let's see how we can make the pie bigger for, for everybody. Because we're in the world, but we're, we're of something greater. Regardless of racial, cultural, school, political, church differences. In this world, not of it as Christians. So, we can have this freedom from authority. But also, here it goes, freedom in authority. 
freedom in it. Because sometimes we find ourselves, and not just in government, but I'm talking about personal lives here. Like we're, in, we're under someone's authority. So how can you have freedom like in authority? How do you, well, the Bible here tells us. And Peter uses the example of a servant or a slave. He says servant, some translations calls it a slave, verse 18. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to do the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. This is a gracious thing. Verse 20, what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And look at verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Peter's saying that to this you have been called. He's saying you have been called to suffer in this situation. Not a popular message, not, not a message that like gets people into churches or whatever. You've been called to suffer here. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example. So freedom in authority. So here's how I take this. Uh, first, right then and there, some of these Christians were slaves, like literal slaves. Uh, and so they were serving people who were not Christians. And he's saying the same thing as earlier in the passage. He's saying... Do good. This is a gracious thing. This is what God's calling you to do. He says, I know you're suffering. You're called to it right now. Jesus set you an example. So how do, how do we do that? Well, here's what I'm talking about. We don't like authority. We, we don't. You're saying, no, I'm, I'm good. You might say, I'm good with it. We're really not. I mean, our heart of hearts, Genesis 3, we don't like so, like, give you an example. Anybody ever had a bad boss? Anybody ever had a bad boss? I think everybody. <laughs> I get some amens there. So, let's say we're in a bad boss work environment. Like, man, I'm in this authority. How do you have freedom in this authority? Again, you're in the world, but you're not of it because you're part of something greater. You're not defined by your job. You're not defined by your state of employment. You're not defined by your boss that doesn't define you you're defined as a Christian that you're a son or daughter of the living God as a Christian if you've received Christ and then you can say hey I can pray for that person I can do a great job even for this person I can there, there's a great uh, saying it's by Theodore Roosevelt and uh, talking about politics Theodore Roosevelt they're all asking him, like, what was his, the next step, stages of his political career? And he said this. And I've always, I've always remembered, I think it's a great lesson. He said, I do every job as if it was the last job I would ever have, and then everything else seems to take care of itself. Do you hear that? Do every job as if it was the last you would ever have, and then it takes care of itself. And so I think about that in this context. Like, you know, it's not because of our effort. It's because we know that we're part of something greater. We're part of Jesus' kingdom. And say, man, I can do my best, whatever situation I'm in. I can have freedom in authority. You see what I'm saying? Freedom in authority. I, I know a lot of y'all. Y'all, y'all want that. Y'all need that. Because some of you are like, man, I'm in a dead-end job. My, my boss, you know, I could use, we, we could think up adjectives there. We could say, man, I don't know where the next step is. Are you thinking of your life? If you're a Christian... And some of you be like, I don't know about that. Well, I'm glad you're here. But if you're a Christian, say, like, man, I'm part of something greater. 
My, my life, my days, my, my months, my years are part of something greater. And so God's put me in this situation for reasons, some that I can see, some that I don't see, but will be made evident one day. And you can do as, as Peter's writing, with all respect, not only to the good, but to the unjust. This is gracious. You're enduring, and yes, there's some suffering. But look to Jesus, he says. And maybe this situation is what you're called to. Not forever, but for now. So again, freedom. Freedom. From authority. In authority. And then last, the only way those two are possible, and this is, this is what's most important, is this freedom by authority. Look at this, the last part of the passage. He brings us into Christ's suffering as an example. And then he focuses on Jesus. And that's what we've got to, no pun intended, we've got to nail down. We've got to focus on Jesus. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23, he was reviled and did not revile in return. He suffered, and yet he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The Bible's clear. Jesus gives freedom. And yet here, it explicitly says Jesus has authority over us. Verse 25, the overseer, overseer of your souls. Freedom by authority. We don't like authority, but yet the only way we're free is having someone, King Jesus, over us. You're like, well, where all does it say that? Well, it talks about his example. He was reviled. He didn't revile in return. He didn't threaten anyone. But he entrusted himself to him who, look at this, verse 23, judges. Oh. Never a fan of that word, you know. You know, I always say that the, America's favorite verse right now is, you know, judge not that you be, <laughs> you be judged. You know, we don't want to judge, and yet here it says, who judges justly. And then it says, he bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross. We might die to sin and live to righteousness, which really a translation for righteousness is, is right living, his right living. By his wounds, we've been healed. So we don't like authority, but the only way we have freedom is that he's in authority over us. God is a just judge, but then he has saved us by sacrificing his life, by his wounds, we are healed. And so our posture should be one, first of rest. We don't have to, you know, we we didn't save ourselves. He's done all the work. But our posture also should be looking to Him because He's King, as we sang about. He's Lord. And He sets up, let me use this word, good boundaries for us to say, this is how I've established things. And if you, you've got to live within these boundaries or you're not just going to hurt yourself, you may just kill yourself. Let me give you an example. And this could be kind of the most popular example. It's really the best metaphor I've ever heard on here we go on this sexuality, okay? Hot topic of the day. 
Anybody ever had the, uh, had the fortune to have gone to, I can tell I got your attention there, use that word. I can tell, I can just lean in. You know. Anybody ever had the fortune of going to Whistler, Canada? Anybody ever been to Whistler? I have not. Whistler, anybody, anybody? There? Okay, got one in the back. Okay, Whistler, Canada, uh, I believe Banff, is that how you pronounce it? Banff, is a ski resort there? Okay. Supposedly, when the whole um, business of ski resorts started opening up, uh, no one thought you could ski uh, around Whistler, that the, the peaks were just too, too extreme and, you know, just did, didn't think that it was going to be, gonna be doable, doable at all. So uh, then they, you know, you had some brilliant, I, I guess, engineers or, or planners or, you know, whatever those people are that design, you know, a ski resort and the, and the slopes and the ski lifts. And, and they, they did it because so many people had already died trying to you know, ski it or ski off piece or off, you know, whatever you call it. Not that I'm pretending I'm like this expert skier here. But, you know, they're trying to ski and they die. So they design it in a way with these ski lifts and the slopes. And now it's this, I mean, probably top ten in the world, you know, ski resort. Now, the writer uh, of this metaphor, it's in a book that I'm reading now. It's great. Recommended it. It's called, I love the title, Divine Sex. Okay? So, the writer, and as a pastor, he pastored, I think he's actually from New Zealand originally, but he pastored in London for years and years. And he said this book came out of his, you know, discussions from Christians. And you think about London, you know, I mean, Mecca of, or one of the Meccas in the world of, you know, kind of all things, you know, freedom and sexual and all that. And so, so many of these um, young and older folks were dealing with uh, issues of, of sexuality. And so, they wrote this book. But he uses that metaphor of whistle, okay? And he said, it's like sexuality in that you have this, this beautiful mountain range, spectacular, you know, and, and awesome when you ski it or hike it in summer and all this. But some... Ski lifts and particular slopes and not other slopes were very needed if people wanted to live and enjoy it in, in a positive, good, healthy way. And if you, you took all that out, people would try to ski it and would die. People would, you know, people would hurt themselves. And I'll be honest, that's like the best metaphor uh, that I have to this point have ever heard about uh, God's guardrails or boundaries for human sexuality, which is very much in Scripture. And I use that example because God says, man, this is spectacular. I want you to have freedom and enjoy it, but i got to put some ski lifts around here, or you will harm yourself in a, in a tremendous way. And so that's a great example for me of freedom by authority. God gives us freedom, but it's by authority. And it's, it's the same with our entire lives. So that's one, that's one aspect, even though we make it the biggest, but that, that is just one aspect of our Christian lives. But by authority, God says, man, I want you to live in this world, but you know, you're not of it. And if you look to him as king, as Lord, and as Savior, that's authority, but he gives freedom. So closing up real quick, I would ask these questions. 
just thinking about where we are now. What is your authority? You're like, man, I ain't got no authority. Well, let me put it this way. What controls you? Let me say that again. This is an important question. What controls you? Is it, well, uh, I really need to be in this social circle. Uh, I really need to be, you know, you grew up, um, I was talking to Heidi's girls over here. Sorry, it wasn't planned here, but they, uh, I said, you know, it doesn't change, you know, talking about the homecoming dance, it doesn't really change much when you grow up. You don't have the homecoming dances, but still, you know, trying to be in the popular group or still, you know, still scoping out the lay of the land. What controls you? Is it, I want to be in that group. I want to be in those relationships. I want to be in that supper club. Is it, I want to have this degree of financial security. And it's never enough, okay? Never enough. I want to have this type of life. Here's the thing. Your authority, what controls you, is also the same thing that you think will make you free. Because you'll say, well, if I have this, <laughs> I'll be good. I mean, if I have this much money, then I'll have so much more freedom to, to live as I'm supposed to live, you know, obviously. Or if, you know, if I have this relationship, this boyfriend, girlfriend, this spouse, then, man, it'll be just, I'll be happy. A lot of times we equate happiness with freedom. The same thing that controls you is also the same thing you think will make you free. The same thing that you think will make you free actually is your authority and controls you. And that's why we have to, most important point right here, you have to, we have to, I have to, move to Jesus. In the Bible talks about in union with Christ, abiding with Christ. You can say turn to Christ, trust in Christ, because, and it's the same thing, he gives us freedom and he is also our authority. Like what, he's like, what does he really give me freedom from? He gives you freedom. He gives us freedom from the penalty of sin, which is death and hell, which I do deserve. And so do you if you have not gotten that yet. When you're saved, he gives you freedom from the penalty of sin. If you abide in him and grow in him, he will give you freedom from the power of sin over your life. And that, I believe, is the truth. Okay, The power of sin over your life. And one day, we will be totally free from the presence of sin with him Forever, whether it's in heaven or heavens on earth unite. So what does he give me freedom of? Penalty of sin, first and foremost. Power of sin as you walk with him. Ultimately, the presence of sin. But he's also our authority. He's like, here's the framework. And if you are in this framework, you can truly live in this world and not be of it. And it's a good thing. Here is the ski lifts. Spectacular. Spectacular. He's our freedom and he's also our authority. So the bottom line is, and I say it like this, I mean, we need to be in union with Christ, abiding with Christ, turn to Christ, trust in Christ. The things that you think will make us free will not. They actually control us. Only Jesus gives that true freedom. And so for, for all of us, man, when, when are you going to start? It's a wonderful, that's why, that's why we exist as a church, to be a reminder, because we come in here, and again, I'm going I'm to end where I started. We got all these felt needs, physical, man, you know, it's tough. Personal, oh man, it, it, it is, it's brutal. Purpose, oh man, I can't find my purpose. You know, you're like, how, how does Jesus give me that freedom? 
Sometimes the position you're in, He wants you to be in. To turn to Him. He does free you. Penalties. He saves you. The power of sin over your life. And He will free us from the presence of sin. Do you believe that? I hope you do. That's why we exist. It's why we do this thing called church. It's why I say you need more than just... You know, less than an hour, because you're probably checked in, much less than an hour on Sunday morning. You need a smaller group. You need in God's Word. All this stuff, I believe it is truth. I believe it's the only thing that saves. I believe it's the only thing that will give you freedom. So I rely on the power of the Spirit to change your hearts. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you change our hearts. What we see and what we seek, you can do that. I've seen it in people's lives. I pray you do it now. uh, That you would just burden us with a passion for you and change us and for some of us just break us down by your power, by your authority and we would see, man, these things that we are chasing will not give freedom. They actually control us. Then only you, Jesus, give us freedom. In your name we pray, amen.